Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow nerds, Matt O'Hara. Hey, hey. And Garrett Price. How's it going? Oh, it's going good, guys. Uh, as we kick off another position group here of the 2020 rookie class, we're going to break down the uh, first session here of rookie wide receivers. We have four shows to do to cover this very deep class with a little less than two weeks to go for the NFL draft. Can't wait for that as we're all excited. Um, we got a special show for the Nerd Herd coming up. If you're a Nerd Herd member, we're going to release our NFL draft preview show uh, directly a- after the NFL draft where we're going to actually break him down in rankings uh, that Sunday night. So you have it in case your rookie draft kicks off on that Monday, we're going to have our final rankings as as they're set after the NFL draft. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the NFL draft. Um, as I saw Alex tweet out on Twitter, uh, Della Rocca, that we have, uh, it's pretty much the only sports we have going on in the world right now is the NFL draft. And lucky for us, it's one of our favorite sporting events in the world, so we're not uh, we're not set back yet when it comes to sports. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. By the way, so before we get into that, let me give you a one word from our sponsor real quick, and that is DynastyOwner.com. That's right, DynastyOwner.com. Uh, if you don't know, they're about to launch their app here in less than two weeks. I saw a preview of it on Twitter. It looks absolutely clean and beautiful. If you don't know what DynastyOwner.com is yet, well, I got some news for you. It's a new way to play Dynasty Fantasy Football. Different than any other way out there, really, because you're using an actual NFL salary cap, and that's how you're going to build your team. You're using actual NFL salary. So if you ever want to be the GM, the head coach, along with the fantasy football player, this is your opportunity. They're making this as... They're building this as a limited competition with a limited amount of teams because they want this to be an investment where your team's actually worth something because there's a lot of money to be had in DynastyOwner.com when you do it right. You know, when it, when a player's salary comes through, that's what you get it for. It's not an auction league. It's not a draft league where you're just drafting like a snake draft. You're actually building an NFL salary. Uh with a salary cap here. So dynasty owners for the smart and the elite fantasy football player. Cause we all know there's no off season here. This is where you can do a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player contracts and salaries, and then improve your team each year with that three round rookie draft. They have an opportunity for you to win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes and can meet, compete in the chase for the ring you got to check what that out what that is on dynastyowner.com it's a good chance to win a really great prize like i said the mobile app is going to be coming up here within the next two weeks check out their twitter handle at dynastyowner they'll get a good glimpse of that and make sure you join their mock drafts today they are open on desktop and the mobile browsers to learn more and mock draft for absolutely free go to dynastyowner.com so Let's jump into this 2020 class. And as we've been building this class up here, guys, over the last year and a half, we've been saying the, the 2020 class, the running back class is going to be loaded. And we have some really good top end talent there uh, at the top end. We lost a little bit with Chuba Hubbard going back and Travis Etienne. But I would have to say the backbone of this class and the depth of this class is certainly the wide receiver position here. Uh, it is absolutely loaded with some really good upside players here. And 
what I'm most blown away with is like when we have tier one, which you could argue is CD Lamb and Jerry Judy. I have tier one CD Lamb all by himself, but say tier one is CD Lamb and Jerry Judy. Tier two is nothing to shake your head at. And it's as broad, you know, it's going to be broad to the point of some people might have five, six guys in there. I have about five guys in there, but the difference, you know, between my ranking of a guy like Denzel Mims and Henry Ruggs and Justin Jefferson and Jalen Regar, and you can even throw Brian Edwards in that mix, it's not too far off, including two Higgins. What are you guys most excited about about this 2020 rookie class before we dive in here, Matt? I mean, like you already laid it out, man. It's the overall depth at the position and and the and the high end depth too. It, it's not like, um, you know, these guys are you're, you know you're throwing a dart at the wall. I feel very confident picking probably six or seven of these wide receivers, um, and and I feel I'd feel pretty pretty good coming away with a lot of you know any one of those six or seven guys. Where in whereas in years past that was probably that number was probably closer to three. You know what I mean? So this is. This is a very unique draft class and, and something I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, to get come, you know, to pick in the second round and to be able to get a guy that I, I feel really comfortable with is, is a nice little feeling. Yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't have any of the top end guys go back to school like we did in, at the at the running back position. I mean, basically everyone we hoped would come out did choose to come out. We thought that there was a decent chance T Higgins could go back. Uh, you know, we thought there was a chance Justin Jefferson could go back. Um, but all of these guys decided to come out, and uh, that's just made uh, this wide receiver class so much fun. And now, you know, picks where you know you're at the end of the second or beginning of the third, and it's like, all right, well, it's dart throw time, and just you know, hope I get a player I end up liking. As opposed to now, it's like, yeah, I've watched a lot of tape on this guy. I'm very confident. Uh, you know, even last year's class where we thought it was a decent wide receiver class, it ended up being even better than we thought. Uh, but still, you know, when I look at the pre-draft evaluations, class to class, this one definitely has a leg up on last year's class. And so to be able to say that after you had five or six receivers that produce big time numbers as rookies, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that class last year, like you said, turned out to be much better than we anticipated. And that's why I advocate you know, even though I love CeeDee Lamb, we're going to talk about him here in one second. It's you want to grab some of those running backs early because you can get a good quality upside receiver at the high end of the second round of this class. And you always have to remember as well as thinking ahead when you play dynasty fantasy football is the 21 class is as good as this class is, is even stronger than this class, which is uh, when it comes to overall talent. So keep that in mind as well. When you're, you know, when Cam Akers and Clyde Edwards Lair is on the board, and then you're looking at a guy like, you know, Henry Ruggs or Denzel Mims, it might, you might be better off taking a running back there, not because they're so far apart, but just playing your hand correctly for the receiver going to next year, which the class is going to be absolutely loaded. But enough of 2021. Let's get into it. Let's break down these 2020 wide receivers. There's a lot to talk about. I'm excited to talk about some of these guys. And there's nobody I'm more excited to talk about, guys, than C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Six foot two, 198 pounds, ran a four five forty. You know, you go back about eight months ago, and Jerry Judy was the clear-cut number one receiver in this class. And not only that, we were talking, at least I was talking, saying, hey, you could argue Jerry Judy could be the 1-1 in this strong running back class. 
Here we are now, a week and a half away from the NFL draft. And to me, I have a brand new number one, and that's CeeDee Lamb. This is a guy who, to me, has a tier, is in a tier by himself because I would take CeeDee Lamb in Dynasty Fantasy Football drafts 10 out of 10 times over any other receiver in this class. He, to me, is somebody that transcends into that true number one receiver. Not a number one receiver on an NFL team, a number one receiver for your dynasty team. We're talking Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, that caliber of player. That's how much I like CeeDee Lamb. This is a guy that has the size and the speed to become that. This is a guy who dominates with the ball in his hand. And when I say dominates, he averaged 6.1 yards after the catch per pro football focus. He led all college wide receivers with that. And, you know, because he has great vision in the open field. 1,520 of, of his 3,292 yards came after the catch for C.D. Lamb. He tracks the ball well. He makes great adjustments midair and makes that circus catch. Dominates the sideline. You got to get over to him over over the shoulder on the sideline to box out the defender. He's going to do that for you. High points the ball extremely well. He's aggressive. He blocks well. His routes are clean and he's effective all over the field. He even helps teams on special teams because he's a solid punt returner. I was trying to think of some negatives that come away after watching C.D. Lamb's tape. And the only thing I could come away with, guys, is that he could add a couple pounds. I absolutely love C.D. Lamb. If you're loaded at running back position and you have the 1-1 in this class, I would have no problems whatsoever if you took C.D. Lamb. This is the kind of guy, I mean, the way I look at it, guys, is if he could turn into a Michael Thomas caliber player, DeAndre Hopkins, and let's use Michael Thomas strictly on age because C.D. Lamb's younger. If Besides Christian McCaffrey, who just signed that uh, new contract, a four-year extension, uh, the highest paid running back in NFL history, averaging $16 million per year, uh, which again, I'm not saying go sell him. We don't really say sell on the second contract because he's an outlier. But besides those two running backs, what running back could you not trade straight up for Michael Thomas if you wanted one? If you wanted Josh Jacobs, you can get him for Michael Thomas. If you wanted Alvin Kamara or if you wanted uh, Dalvin Cook, you could probably get him straight up for CeeDee Lamb. and Or not CeeDee Lamb, for a guy like Michael for Thomas. Michael, yeah. Michael Thomas. Absolutely. So, so I love him. Matt, weigh in here. CeeDee Lamb, what are you thinking? Oklahoma wide receiver, stud muffin. I mean, I feel like you were basically reading off of my notes, so are you sure you didn't like hack into my computer or anything? But this, this is a guy that Lee lined up. Most of the time he lined up on the outside. He did occasionally line up in the slot. Very, very smooth athlete. Um, you know, he doesn't lose a lot of speed get coming in and out of his cuts. Um, he's very sudden, I would say. And he, he probably obviously his biggest asset is his ability to create after the catch. Like you said, he has great vision and his tackle breaking is one of the best I've seen in, in a while there, you know, with his ability after the, after the catch to break tackles and make them into big plays on just on simple things. Because they, they used him on crossing routes, on screens, intermediate routes, and deep. So this, there's like no – there's nothing he can't do. He can attack you on every level of the field. And he's not one of these guys that loses concentration with bodies around him. He can make those catches. He can make the catches over his shoulder, you know, putting the basket out there for uh, for him uh, for the 
for the for the ball to just drop into. So CD Lamb, I mean, the one thing that he's that he's probably not going to be, you know, he he's not a guy that's going to like line up and box somebody out at, at the goal line or anything like that. But he's got, I mean, that would be like the one negative. Uh, you know, I don't. He's not like a forty inch vertical type of guy that's just going to be able to box a guy out and, and go up and get the balls like that. But that's really it. I mean, I'm super excited about him. He is definitely my my top rated wide receiver and it's really not even close to be honest oh i love that not even close for matt o'hara i agree it's not even close tier one by himself for me sounds like it's tier one by himself for matt o'hara absolutely garrett price where are you on cd lamb six foot two wide receiver out of oklahoma we'll have opportunities later to disagree uh but this is not the time for that uh, CD Lamb, uh, he is the best receiver in the class. And it's um, as much as I do like Jerry Judy, as much as I like Jalen Rager, all of these guys, um, I, I agree. It's CD Lamb is the only one that would even possibly enter my mind as uh, would I take him over one of these top three running backs. Um, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, probably not, but at least enters my mind. And and, and there's good reason for it. When we look at uh, the nerd score, which by the way, I've been getting lots of tweets, lots of people asking, uh, the nerd scores will be up on the website by the end of the week. Uh, so the page is already built out. We got a couple little things we need to tweak. Um, but on there, you'll be able to see our, our total nerd scores, which is uh, my tape score. And then we have some other analysts as well that contribute into that. So when I read today, I'm just telling you my personal tape score. So the nerd score, which is the composite of all of those rankers, uh, is going to be slightly different than that. Uh, but for me, uh, he is the number one uh, in the class. He has a 793 uh, grade, uh, which is which is basically a whole point higher uh, than the next rated wide receiver. And when you go through here, here's the nice part. When I go through here, uh, the metrics are basically comprised of, uh, you know, somewhere ranked between one and 10 on each of these categories. I have all these categories, yards after the catch, ball tracking, body control, all this stuff. My lowest number is a seven. And the whole thing, and there's only one of them, and it's at game speed. And he is still plenty fast enough. Um, six is kind of like average. So he's still above average, uh, even at a seven. So um, he is just an all-around complete wide receiver. Um, you know, you mentioned the names of Michael Thomas, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I really think he's a very, very similar to Devontae Adams. Uh, and I would be thrilled to get him in any and all drafts that I can. Yeah, make sure this is a player, if you have a high pick, that you get a share of, and don't be hesitant. I know next year's receiving stra- stra- class is strong as well, but this is a golden opportunity to add an elite dynasty player. You know, there is no sure things when it comes to these rookies. Never is. You know, I thought Sammy Watkins was a sure thing, and you never know, but all you can do is go off the tape and the al- analysis that you do throughout the year, <clears throat> and after looking at all the tape and every- all the study I've done this year, to me, C.D. Lamb is a sure thing i'm all over it i actually feel safer about cd lamb than i do about the running backs which is which is the funniest thing i feel like he's the most sure thing in this draft class but you know when it comes to dynasty you always got to put the weight into those running backs because it's such a fluid position and the value is so high so you got to make sure you get those players as well it's a consensus here cd lamb is all of our number one receiver in the 2020 class we don't have many flaws about him uh really I didn't hear any. I said add a couple pounds. That's it. Does anybody else got any like ne- anything negative to say about CD? 
Not really, man. Uh, it's I, it's. I, re- I really like this prospect. There's there's not much to, to dislike. It, it's tough to even be all that nitpicky. You, I mean, like I said, the lowest score I had was game speed, um, and it was still above average. Uh, so I mean, that's that's the tough part. Uh, and, and even you know, the one thing you could have said, well, he's playing in that Oklahoma system. There's not great DBs in the Big Twelve, but he did it with three different quarterbacks. Now, granted, I get. You know, especially two of those were good passers. Uh, but Jalen Hurts isn't the best passer in the class, uh, and he still put up the crazy season that he had, um, even with all of the other weapons uh, that that were involved. So, yeah, he's uh, he's pretty he's pretty locked and loaded. Yeah, and you're not going to argue that because when you get to the NFL, you have a good passer thrown to you yep. for the most part as well. Let's move on to our next prospect. Here's an intriguing one: uh, Denzel Mims, six foot three. 207 pounds, ran a 4.3840. So he is a blazer. On top of that, when you want to talk about loose hips, goodness gracious, a 6.663 cone drill, the best score at the combine, 131 inch broad jump, putting him in the 94th percentile. Coming off a year of 66 catches, 1,020 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Of course, Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Now, Denzel Mims is somebody that's a terrific athlete. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He can go up and get the ball. He's explosive. He gets in and out of his breaks very quickly. He can extend and make those great catches away from his body, along with going up and get the ball and making that circus catch as well. He has those long arms to make him a great friend to the quarterback. He explodes off the line and get top of those quarterbacks quickly. He'll stack a quarterback uh, very quickly. Love him getting off the line. He's just a big, gigantic playmaker. So, what are some negatives about Denzel Mims for my eyes? His routes could be could use a little work. You know, is is his route she was a limited, little limited at Baylor. He's got one. Of, he's one of those players that's a really good athlete with that, which brings that low floor. You know what I mean? Which means he could bust out if he just stays an athlete. He explodes off the line, but he did struggle some with press coverage. Could use a little bit more dog in his game, as when he does have the ball, he doesn't really do a lot after the catch. Drops can be an issue with Denzel Mims. As a matter of fact, I think my number one concern with Denzel Mims would be his drops, as according to PFF. He had a 12.9% drop rate over the last two years with 16 totals. So his hands can be an issue. And when you expect players to get better to the next level, you expect their hands not to be an issue. That being said, he did make some amazing catches. And a lot of those did seem, some of the drops that I did see, seem more like focus drops in my eyes, just for my opinion. Rich, I was going to say the same thing. I definitely think I think that's his issue because he can make spectacular catches. And he catches with his hands. So it, I, I do think this is one of those, I think it's a concentration issue or it's he's trying to you know move on with the play before he gets the ball secured, which, I mean, sure, that can, that can be corrected, but it can also be an issue going forward. So it's, it is one of those things that you might just have to deal with a little bit um, with this player going forward. But I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm just going to go into it a little bit. He's, he's one of the smoothest players I've seen on tape this entire year. And, I mean, that's that's – He's like a glider. He's one of these guys that you can't even tell how fast he's going until you realize how many how many yards he covered in such a Josh short Gordon-esque. period of time. He is very Josh Gordon esque, and I hate to make that comparison because it's another you know Baylor guy, and, and it seemed and it seems easy, 
but he Man, makes, I, said, I said that the same thing to Garrett when I was talking about Denzel Mims in like a casual conversation. I was like, dude, I, I say, I know it's weird to compare him to another Baylor wide receiver. I was like, but he reminds me of Josh Gordon. Go ahead. He, it's because he it's because he just moves so effortlessly, effortlessly, effortless. Effort, I can't say the word. Easy you know for what you I mean? to say. Yeah, that was really it's, effortless it's, for you to say that. Exactly. Thank you. So, and 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 Josh Gordon is is the is the, is the exact same sign. I can't talk. Exact same kind of glider. So, um, it, it's an easy comparison. They're both big play guys. They're both you know six three over two hundred pound type of guys. I mean, I mean, you know, obviously Josh Gordon's probably closer to two thirty, uh, whereas whereas Denzel Mims is two oh seven, but still plenty big enough. Um, uh, and he has time to fill out make, too. Exactly. At least, you know, that's why people can make the comparison, I think, uh, and at least have it be justified. Um, so go ahead, George. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off in the middle of all your stuff. No, no, I was at, I was about, I was literally at the end of my uh, breakdown. I said my number one concern is like those Baylor wide receivers usually don't pan out. That's another con, too. But everything negative I said does not put me off on Denzel Mims at all. We're going to get the Garrett's take here, uh, like here in seconds. But I mean, I'm with you, Matt. Like, I don't know where you overall stand. I guess we'll we'll wait to let's go. Let's get Garrett take and let's see where we stand on a player like Denzel Mims because after going through these rookies, like I said, this this second tier to me, it's a tough one because when I watch Denzel Mims, for me he's right after Henry Ruggs because Henry Ruggs is my third ball receiver. Just to let everybody know, he's locked in for me. But then I have Denzel Mims, but then I watch Justin Jefferson and I'm like. Well, Justin Jefferson should be my fourth re- receiver. You know what I mean? And then I watch Jalen Rager. I'm like, well, he could be my fourth receiver. And, then you and, watch T. Higgins, and you're like, ooh, T. Higgins could be my fourth receiver. I'm told I'm totally with you there, and I'm I'm starting to think that my my spots number two and three might become a little bit more fluid in the next week or so as well. So, um, it, this is a crazy deep class. Some of these players, I mean. There's probably not a higher upside player than Denzel Mims. You know what I mean? His ceiling is ridiculous with his athleticism. So for sure, it is. Um, go ahead, Gary. Why don't you get into to your take on Denzel Mims before we can play? And then we'll the, see. Uh, we'll see where. And I want to see where we each individually stand on him in our overall wide receiver rankings. I don't even know who's higher than him, who's lower than him. I just want to know where he stands in your overall receiver rankings. I've moved him three times in the last four days. Garrett, <laughs> give me your Denzel Mims breakdown. Well, Mims came in as my wide receiver four in the class. Uh, I have him at a 76.43. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of the guys, a lot of things you guys said uh, before, I, I definitely echo. One of the things that wasn't touched on as much is I think he's a much more intelligent receiver uh, than people realize at first glance. There is a lot of things that he does uh, with his hands to create separation, uh, to be able to get off the line. Um, that is is really impressive. And for a burner, uh, you know, you mentioned his three cone. He's very quick as well. So when you combine that speed with the good quickness as well, and I know some people are like, well, speed and quickness is the same thing. It is absolutely not the same thing. Mm-hmm. There are guys that can fly. DK Metcalf is a perfect example. Dude is crazy fast. He is not quick. Um, so that's kind of the difference there, you know, whereas Clyde edwards Alaire is the opposite. He's crazy quick, but he is not fast. Uh, Denzel Mims is both. He is fast, and he is also very, very quick. And so when you combine speed with quickness and then the intelligence that he has, he creates really, really good separation. But he doesn't always even need to because he's very good at contested catches as well. And, you know, you talk about uh, catching the ball away from his body. His catch radius, I gave him a 9.5. So, you know, just a half a point away 
from the highest that you could possibly give a player in a specific category. You know, he's got those long arms and he is able to catch things in a wide area, which is such a huge benefit for quarterbacks. So like long term, wherever he ends up going, you might give a small tick up to his quarterback because uh, he's going to be reeling in some of those passes that other people might not. You're right, his drops uh, are a concern at times, uh, but I, I think it is, it's more of that concentration uh, drop more than anything else. So, you know, after the combine, <clears throat> there were two guys that tested significantly better than I had real thought that they would, went back to the tape. One of them was Chase Claypool. We'll talk about him at another time. Uh, but his ranking didn't change much for me when I went back to the tape. When I went back to the tape on Mims, I'm like, okay, I, I get it now. I see, I see that uh, what we saw in the testing. I see that on the field. I see that on tape. And I am all in. So, yeah, he is my fourth wide receiver. And a, a quick point that you guys made, you know, about kind of this, you know, two through five, six, seven wide receivers, it's going to be very beneficial to have pick 112, 21, 22, because those picks are going to be very similarly valued as 1819 in that range. So, you know, the cost it will take you to get up to 18 or 19, don't pay for that. Pay to get up to. Yeah, I actually like that take a lot, Garrett. Um, where if you are, you know, pick seven, eight, and somebody's willing to give you just a third round pick to move up. And you can move back from like 17 to 111, 112. There's going to be some good prospects there in the third round where you can get some good value. And as I would say, I would not oppose moving back a little bit just to get that guy. So I like that take a lot, Garrett. So Garrett has him as his number four overall wide receiver. I have him as my number four overall receiver prior to the NFL draft. Matt, where do you currently have Denzel Mims as your overall rookie receiver? Uh, so right now he is my sixth overall wide receiver. Um, but I mean, really the guys ahead of him and behind him, it's a real fluid situation in, in about two or three spots above and below Mims. So he, he's one of those guys, he's so high upside that I could see him moving up quite a few uh, um, if he lands in the correct spot. And, and I like the quarterback situation, but he could also slide down a little bit if he, you know, if he's stuck in more of a de- developmental type of role as well. So we'll, we'll we see a we see a lot of mock drafts of him going to Green Bay, and I would actually love that spot for him paired up with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Adam uh, Devontae Adams to learn those little intricacies that can make him better uh, with that Packers. He's somebody that could be a true number one. I, I, again, like I said, I like him a lot. You guys like him a lot. It seems like this is a great dynasty prospect. Go anywhere from pick six up to pick 12. It's a good place to be. Definitely, if you guys are in a super flex you know, league, this is a guy you might be able to get at like 2-1, two, 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, that, that is definitely um, one of the huge aspects of, of the, the two QB type of leagues where you're getting just amazing talent here in the, in the second round of this year's draft. So mm-hmm. very excited if, if you have a high second round draft pick. Even middle uh, to late second round in a super flex is a very valuable pick. Let's move on to our next prospect, a prospect I'm not a really big fan of, so I'm going to let Matt take the lead on this guy. Uh, we're going to be talking about LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado, six foot one, 227 pounds, ran a four five eight forty. Did have a little bit of a core injury during the, the combine, so that kind of hurt a little bit. At 56 receptions for 764 yards and four touchdowns, and even rushed for 23 times for 161 yards and uh, two touchdowns. Guys, if I hear another person 
compare LaVisca Chenault to Debo Samuels, I'm going to blow my lid because <laughs> those those players are night and day, it's in my opinion. And just because they wrote both run like running backs, that does not mean you can compare the two. That's like comparing all the white receivers being the same guy. It's just not It's not possible, guys. LaVisca no. Chenault and Debo Samuel are night and day. Matt, give us some... Give us some breakdown here of LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado. So he's a he's a big, tough, physical wide receiver, very difficult to take down in the open field. Um, you know, he, he was he was somewhat limited in the routes that he ran. He 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 mostly did run crossing routes, screen plays. They used him on reverses. They they used him, you know, um, even at, at the quarterback position in some of the wildcat type of stuff. He, you know he does. He, he is good for an occasional deep pass, and, and he's okay at tracking the ball. But you know, the physicality that he plays with, he almost he almost looks better to me as a running back. Like that's that's what he, he has. Running backs build. He runs routes like a running back. So I'm I'm not overly thrilled with with his with his route running ability, and and the fact that he's constantly you know they're not like major injuries he has had surgeries obviously had the core muscle surgery and he had another previous surgery as well but a lot of the games he seemed to be fighting nagging injuries as well which just slowed him down and it all goes back to his brand of football and his brand of football is very physical and that's probably where the Debo Samuels comps come in because he he is such a, a physical guy after the catch but they're unwarranted in my eyes because Debo Samuels was so much better as a route runner um, than LaVisca Chenault. And, and I think the only way, you know, that pe- that people can really justify it is they, they at least, you know, both players turn into running backs w- with, with the ball in their hands. So I, I can see why that portion of it, people are kind of gravitating towards uh, Debo Samuel a little bit for a comp, but their body types are totally different. Their, um, their route running ability uh, are completely different, and and really, what it boils down to to me is Lavisca Chenault is a running back playing wide receiver. Debo Samuel's was a wide receiver that would turn into a running back with the ball in his hand. So that's my basic you know lay down to the guy. I'm not overly thrilled with him. I don't see a ton of upside with him. And and let's face it, guys that are injured in college that usually doesn't get better in the NFL. I know it's like one of those impossible things to project. But if you're if you play that physical of a brand of football and you're getting nicked up at Colorado, chances are once you take your game to the NFL level where everyone's bigger, stronger, faster, that's not going to get better in my opinion. So yeah, Lavisca, uh, they hit harder there, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, the, Debo Samuel's and Lavisca Schnault's route running is about as close as Earth is to Jupiter. Uh, that's how far away they are on a spectrum of route running. And like Matt said, he's a big physical running back, and that's like kind of style. That's his size. That's his frame. Um, he does a couple things well. You know, he has a good body adjustment in the air. He could play physical. Um, was used all over the field, like Matt said, running back, wide receiver, wildcat. But like Matt said, he also had a lot of surgeries and he was hurt a lot. And he didn't miss four games in the last two years. And but even on top of that, when you watch his game film, he's constantly sitting out plays and banged up. And people are like, oh, he's tough because he's playing through injury. But he that, that doesn't change the fact that he's hurt all the time. He's had multiple surgeries. He just recently had surgery. March 3rd on core muscle surgery, which he got hurt either during the season and he got, a, he re-aggravated during the combine. So he had to get surgery there, which might explain some of his stats after the, uh, after the season and his combine 40 for sure. Cause it looks like he is faster than four, five, eight. I'll give him that. 
But this guy already had toe surgery and labrum surgery prior to 2019. Just had the core muscle surgery. Like Matt said, his route running is average at best. A lot of his plays were manufactured at Colorado. Uh, and he was our main weapon at Colorado. And he just didn't do, you know, he was tough and played physical there. But nothing really impressed me. He plays at like one speed. Much better in 2018 than 2019. I'm sure the core muscle surgery injury had something to do with that too. But people want to say that LaVisca Chenault, he runs like a running back. But even when he runs like a running back, guys, and yeah, he can be physical there at Colorado in college, I don't see that translating the NFL. I don't see a lot of wiggle in his game at all. I don't see anything special out of his game when he's run like a running back. It's not like he's run like a running back and you're like, ooh, that's a special running back. No, he's just running like a running back where most receivers don't do that. This is a guy like maybe if he goes at you know the the Saints where where Sean Payne can manufacture some touches for him. I think that's the only way he's going to be a fantasy asset. I don't see Lavisca Chenault as a fantasy asset. I think he's kind of like as not of a fast Cordero Patterson. You'll see those comps as well. I think that one makes a heck of a lot more sense. I mean, I think they they have different body body types. But they're gadget players in my eyes. You know what I mean? Like I think Lavisca Chenault would excite me a little bit more if he was a run. He was a running back prospect, and like he ended up in San Francisco, where he's in Kyle Shanahan's zone blocking system, where he could put his foot in the ground and get upfield. Because I think that's what he is. You know, he's like a one cut guy, but he's he's a one cut and get upfield type of runner. But he's a wide receiver, so he's 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 a very He's an enigma, I, w- I would call him. Um, there are some guys that are going to love him. And if 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 he's tasked to play wide receiver in the NFL, I just don't think he's going to be successful at that. So, And that's that's where, he, that's where he's currently slated. That's his position. You know what I mean? He might get an NFL roster, and they might see the same thing and, and try to switch positions. But how often does that actually work out as well? So, Oh, for know. sure. And, and wasn't Cordero Patterson a first-round pick? He was, he was, uh, he was, I think top 20 or something like that or close. Yeah. To and I think a lot of people in the community, and I think again, the LaVisca Chanel where people, some of these analysts have him really high. Um, I think some of them might be to see because a lot of these NFL mock drafts have him really high. He's somebody that again, like Cordero Patterson didn't really translate to the NFL because he wasn't special at anything. He was fast and using that running back role. He's a little bit more impressive than the receiving role. But to me, LaVisca Chanel doesn't do anything special. I don't see him translate into a fantasy football, you know, point getter where he's a wide receiver too. You know what I mean? Like he's not that kind of receiver. Like he might benefit an NFL team, but he's going to miss time a lot. He's not going to do a lot after the catch. I don't think in the NFL, I don't think that's really his style. Um, I don't think he does anything fantastic. Again, he was big and physical at Colorado. I still see that translate into the NFL. A nice player, seems like a great kid, uh, definitely been through a lot, definitely with his, what happened to his dad, but for me, when it comes to, I'm not. I'm only judging what I see as a dynasty prospect. It's kind of like we judge all these guys, why these PPR running backs are more valuable. LaVisca Chanel does not translate for me into somebody that's going to be a dynasty darling, somebody that's going to turn into that dynasty gold. I don't see it here. I don't see it. Garrett, can you shed some light on this LaVisca Chenault take here? What is your take on LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado? The tricky part with Visca is there's just so much risk. Um, And when you're drafting a guy in the first round, or I don't think he's going to go in the first round anymore of rookie drafts, but, you know, in this class, even the top, you know, 18 or so picks, 
you really want that pick to hit. Um, and there's just so many ways for this pick to not hit, um, for lack of a better way to phrase that. Like, there's just so many things that could go wrong. Uh, you know, we talked about the injuries. You know, he's he's constantly banged up, and uh, you know, he's had tons of surgeries, and he's even gotten hurt during combine stuff. And so there's all of that. Um, he's very unrefined uh, overall as a player. Uh, I have him at a 70.38, so that comes in as my wide receiver 14. Um, and just for perspective, Denzel Mims was at a 76. Uh, CeeDee Lamb was in the 79. So, you know, there's a, there's a big gap between those guys and, and Visca. Um, although I'm not sure Mims and Visca will be drafted all that far apart. So there, there's just a lot can go wrong. The thing that is appealing to people, and, and, and I'm not one of those guys. Like I said, he's my 14th wide receiver. But the thing that's appealing to people that I can understand is – he might not be refined. He might not do everything technically sound. In fact, he most things he does not do. He has terrible release uh, off the line, which he's going to get jammed a lot at the NFL level. Um, but he is absolutely a football player. Um, and I think that's what people see as far as if there's somebody that can make it, he just has the desire to win when you watch him play. Um, you know, I remember watching him against USC and there's a there's a route where it's just basically a fade route and the DB actually had really good coverage on him and Visca somehow just managed to get up there and he didn't even really extend his arms but he got it and caught the ball and it really wasn't even a smooth coordinated play but he scored and the DB didn't make the play. And there's just a lot of that where he doesn't do it right. He doesn't do it smoothly, but he ends up making a play anyway. And so, if and that there's was the one, a, that was the deep pass on the left on the left yep. side of the field, correct? Yeah, it, it was like a, a magician's trick how he came up with the ball. I have no, I still don't know. I watched it two or three times. I still don't know how he plucked the ball out. Yep. It was a, a surefire interception. And, it should have been somehow. He somehow adjusted to the ball and came came away with it. So that's was that's that the one in the end zone? Yes. Yeah. Ah, yeah, see, so dude, I felt that I, I kept highlighting that play. I felt that was like a little overrated. I thought the uh, I thought the defender played a little bit too deep, and it looked like it was a tougher catch. But in a replay on the front end, it was almost just like a regular catch. The defender barely had a hand on it. I thought, right, and that's the thing. Like all of that up until I thought, that it, was bad, I thought it was bad defense. To be honest with you, that was one of the big time plays. I know exactly what play you're talking about. Yeah, he had great coverage up until that last moment. Uh, and that's what you're yeah, talking about. He overran him. Exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff where he just ends up making plays, even though it's not pretty, even though it's not right. He he figures out a way to make plays. All of that said, that is the that is the optimistic view. If you get a coach with his mentality and his raw athleticism, he could turn him into something. But we're talking best case scenario. It's a coach like you guys mentioned that you know the Kyle Shanahan's, the 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 Sean Payton's, the good offensive minds, and it's going to be a couple years down the road. With all of the assets in this draft that I think can produce early, I'm not wanting to take a guy that I'm going to have to wait a while and it's going to have to be on manufactured touches. So I'm probably not taking him uh, anywhere yeah. uh, as well. And and I don't think yeah, I agree with you on all aspects. Like he could play in the NFL. Right. This isn't. Yeah. I'm not. When I when he's I say I don't want to live in this Chanel, like he's. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm not saying that he can't play at the next level. I'm just looking at this from a dynasty perspective. If I can get Lavisca Chenault in the middle of the third round, right around there, third round. Um, now we're talking. 
you know, top end of the third round, but he's not going to go there. He's going to go the high end of the second, middle of the second, and there's just way too, the next guy we're going to talk about, I would much rather have than LaVisca Chenault. So to me, I'm just looking for upside here. And in this draft, guys, for me, this draft is too deep and too talented in the second round for me to go risk it on LaVisca Chenault, where even his upside to me doesn't seem that high. Like his upside to me seems like a high end wide receiver three, maybe. And you can get those guys. Right. He would just have to be manufactured. He'd, he'd have to be the number one like option. Like he was in Colorado. He was the number one option in Colorado. So he would have to be the number one option in an NFL team that's manufactured touches and that's getting, you know, being in these PPR leagues. And I just do not see that happening. The best ability is availability and he lacks that ability as well. Rich, he was the number one option at Colorado and he had 764 yards receiving and 161 yards rushing. Like those aren't eye popping numbers. So no, I mean, a total of 925 yards. What do you freaking do, man? I, I mean, I don't know. I agree. I don't get, I honestly, I guys, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I, and I said this a while ago, remember when we were doing like our way too early mock draft. And I was like, I guess I'll just go off with all the, like, until I dig deep, I'll just go off of like all the experts that have them ranked high. Cause I was like, at my first glance, I didn't see anything special. And now that I dug in and watched way more film and did way more analysis, I'm like, Yep, pretty much. I didn't have to do all this. It was the same thing as I got the first Sometimes glance. He's exactly first what I thought. Sometimes is the best one. <laughs> yep. It is, man. So it, it, this is somebody that's just, he's not off my board. So when I when I tweet out you know the other day saying I'll have zero shares of KJ Hamler and zero shares of Visca Chenault, it's because where they'll go in, the, in, in your rookie draft, they'll be nowhere near that on my board. One of the guys I'd actually like to take ahead of him is Antonio Gandy Golden out of Liberty. If I'm going to take some risk and some upside, this is where I'm going. Antonio Gandy Golden, we'll call him AGG, out of Liberty, six foot four, two hundred and twenty three pounds, ran a four six forty, a seven three 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 cone, had seventy nine receptions for one thousand three hundred and ninety six yards and ten touchdowns. His game versus Buffalo is a highlight reel in itself. If you want to watch peak. And prime Antonio Gandy Golden log into the Dynasty Nerds film room, click on his game versus Buffalo, sit back, crack a cold one, get a bucket of popcorn, and just enjoy some good wide receiver highlights because he absolutely dominated that game. This is a guy that was brought to our attention way early in the process by Garrett himself. So let's let Garrett take the lead here on Antonio Gandy Golden out of Liberty. Garrett, break him down. Yeah, Gandy Golden is uh he's a guy that was really kind of, you know, under the radar and then he just played so well this season that he became everyone's favorite quote unquote sleeper. Um, you know, partway through the season and it's like, well, if he's everyone's favorite sleeper, I don't think he's a sleeper anymore. Um, and it's it's for good reason. He played 
really, really well. Uh, he got that combine invite, that senior bowl invite. And granted, his senior bowl uh, stuff was, uh, it was depending on the day that you were listening, what the reports were. Because he seemed to have a very up and down uh, combine. One day they'd be like, ooh, he had some bad drops today. Look a little, you know, overwhelmed. And then the next day they're like, this guy is making every catch, beating every defensive back. And so I think some of that is just, you know, he played at a smaller school, um, you know, less eyes, less competition. And I think he's just kind of getting a feel for, you know, playing against top echelon corners. Corners, um, with with better quarterback play and you know figuring out how how all of that works, but um, overall he's a very developed uh, player for being at a small school. Um, pretty good route runner, uh, gets off the line pretty well. Really good with contested catches uh, and very very physical. He's one of the most physical wide receivers in this class. Um, and and I think he's got enough speed, um, where, whereas I, I'm not saying he's quick, um, but but he's got enough straight line speed uh, that I think he can win over the top at times. But I think you're looking at more of a contested catch guy um, and that's going to use his box out skills, his physicality uh, to win at the next level. A little bit more of a project, a little bit more developmental, uh, but as Agreed. far as raw skills, raw ability, and just kind of know-how for the game, he is a guy that I would I would push some chips in on uh, and, and make sure I get some shares of. Yeah, he he's a nice upside project. May take a year or two. Definitely gonna take some time to develop. But like Garrett said, he's a big physical receiver. This is a guy who broke thirty three tackles on 40, 149 receptions over the last two years. He catches the ball with his hands. He's really good at catching the football. He's got massive catch radius, high points the ball really well, big and physical. His speed, like Garrett said, it's 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 not terrible. He's, he's not know? the fastest wide receiver. He's fast enough, though. You know what I mean? On game speed, Correct. He, he's definitely fast enough. Yeah, his routes. Garrett said he's a good route runner. When I watched him, I thought he was just an okay route runner, which is something. Let me put it this way. Good enough for playing at Liberty. Absolutely. That's the best way I can yep, put it. That's, yeah, I'm, I agree with that. You really have to take into the that into account, but you also have to take into the to account the fact that he's six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pounds. So it's not like he's one of these five foot ten, one hundred ninety eight pound guys that's that going to easily be able to get exactly. He he's big enough where you, you don't have to be over. You know, you don't have to have two steps to be open. You can you can toss it up to a guy like that, and, and he you know what would normally be covered is open for him. And like you like you yeah. mentioned, the, the, his ability to high point the ball and, and get up and get the ball uh, really kind of separates him a little bit as well. I went but I went back and looked at his senior bowl notes because when I was watching the film, I was like, oh, dude, he gets off the gets off the line a little slow. And I felt like he did it a lot. And then I was looking at his senior bowl stuff, and he got off the line really well at the senior bowl. So that and that kind of told me it's like, well, maybe then he got some good coaching already at the senior bowl, and he kind of translated. This is. Is it Andy? Didn't he put out like a video of AGG like throwing the ball seventy yards from his knees too? Wasn't it oh, him? I don't know. I he might have. That. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like he has a video of him like throwing the football from like from his knees like seventy yards, like an overall oh, athlete. Somebody like one of those guys, just like a really good athlete. And I think his biggest question is, will he be able to separate at the next level? Yeah, that's going to be Antonio Gandy Golden's biggest question mark but we're looking for upside you know this is a guy right now i have a higher than lavisca i have him right around 25 so like 
right at the top of the third round, right around there is where I'm looking at for a guy like AGG. Uh, but I want to see where he lands because I know he's going to take the time to develop what quarterback he's going to play with. But he offers some good upside. And he's somebody that I'd, I'm with Garrett on. I like to have some shares on. Matt, you got any more takes on uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty? I mean, he's somebody that if he – I think if he falls to me at the right position in the draft, I will take him because I, I do see the upside. But I'm not – I'm not like falling over myself to, to make sure I get a bunch of shares of him. So I'm, I would say I'm lukewarm on him, but I definitely see the upside. I mean, he's six foot four can go up and get the ball. I think he can be one of these guys. That's an immediate red zone threat. So if he falls into the right offense that needs that kind of wide receiver right away, uh, I think he can make a, a, a year one impact, uh, especially in that capacity. So uh, depending on landing spot, of course, uh, you know, as usual, he could move up my board several spots. But right now, I think he's he's sitting in the 20s for me as well, like uh, right around 20, actually. So uh, not 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 in bad position. So, yeah, you might be higher than me if he's at 20 for you. I got him at 26 and one QB and, and agree. There, there's a small chance like he could he could fall to that Hakeem Butler thing where he he just sure. falls more in the draft and because this class is so deep at receiver where he get a Hakeem Butler effect and he goes like the sixth round so he just naturally falls down my receiver or my overall rankings a little bit spot. there yeah. um yeah well, so we'll, one more we'll thing I, I don't know that I mentioned it uh I, I came in with a 71.13 uh, grade on him uh, as my 10th overall wide receiver. So I think I'm in a similar range overall with you guys as to where uh, he would end up landing. Uh, my ceiling comp for him, I'm not saying he will be this player, um, but if everything pans out like it could, his absolute ceiling, I could see him developing into a Kenny Galladay type of player. That's yeah, I like that. I, I don't like hate that, that comp. Yeah, because the body size, the body type is very similar. Um, and... And, you know, Galladay took a few years to develop as well, and I could see that definitely being uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden's trajectory. Yep, yep. So yeah, that's, there's a, and there, that, that's, that's a real good comp. I like that one for, like, upside ceiling, which, yeah. you know, which would be a, like a high-end wide receiver two ceiling. Right. Um, there's another receiver we're going to talk about the next at the next show uh, that I like that I would take over LaVisca and AGG that I'm excited to talk about. Um probably not a bigger name right now, but somebody after watching all the tape that I'm kind of big on all of a sudden who I have actually is uh, one spot ahead of AGG at my 25. But before we do that and we get it, that's our next show, the nerd herd show. We'll tell you the names we're talking about. Uh, let's move on. Before we now move on to our next receiver guys, let's stop here and take a word from one of our sponsors and that's reality sports That's right. We're all sitting here in quarantine. We're all been stuck in at home doing all these new startup leagues, but have you ever decided to try an auction league? Now, there's guys out there that swear by auction. John Bosch loves auction leagues. It's his favorite. It's his absolutely favorite to play, and there's no better place to play auction fantasy football than Reality Sports Online. And right now, if you use a promo code NERDS, you can save 10% on your new league today. And I'm sure by now, after doing these reads, most of you guys have heard of Reality Sports Online. It's like the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you guys tried it yet? It's time to get out there and actually see what all the buzz is actually about in the Dynasty community. This is the top-tier auction website out there today. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, 
franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, practice squads, and so much more. Think it sounds complicated? Guess what, guys? It is not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online is... The fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league does. It just requires a little bit more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. So before you get out there and start getting all crazy with your money, make sure you jump into their mock draft, try it out, get used to that auction functionality. That way you don't blow all your load on one receiver and you're drafting all these turds for five you know, pennies on the dollar. If you like what you see, use the promo code NERDS, N-E-R-D-S, to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Moving on here, we have a couple more receivers we're going to talk about in this class before we move on to the Nerd Herd episode. We'll let you know we're talking about the Nerd Herd episode, too, in case you want to catch those guys. Uh, for only $2.99 a month, we get all our extra tools, our rankings, and, of course, the Dynasty Film Room and the bonus podcasts. But next, we're talking about Koi J. Hamler out of Penn State. Five foot nine, 178 pounds. He had 56 receptions for 904 yards and eight touchdowns. To me, this guy is a slot receiver with terrific speed. Good with the ball in his hands. His run after the catch ability um, is pretty good because he's got some pretty good vision. But I will say this, if a, if a defender gets a pinky on him, he's small enough to bring down. He is athletic. But to me, his routes need work as he rounds off a lot of his routes. Um, way too many drops. And when you, this is my biggest flaw when I put this tweet out there, like, well, I have no KJ Hamler st- stock at all at any drafts where I literally don't really want much to do with him at all, is he's small. Very slight frame, and his catching ability is bogus. According to Pro Football Focus, he dropped the ball 12 times on 68 catchable passes. That's a 17.6% drop rate. Not only that, guys, when he does catch the football, he has a lot of body catches. He lets the a ball lot in of body catches. For sure, he lets yes. the ball into his body. He's um, already had an ACL surgery, doesn't track the ball well, and Penn State didn't even use him a ton. He only occasionally had more than five receptions in a game. Um, I see guys like him all the time, fast with bad hands. I don't know if he can handle the physicality of the NFL. And above all, he'll need to be on an NFL team. He'll be better on one of those players that'll be better on an NFL team that'll be on your dynasty team. I want nothing to do with KJ Hamler. Matt, what are you going to say about this guy who'd probably be a higher NFL draft pick? Uh, I, I think he probably will be a higher NFL draft pick than uh, you know than than we're going to pump him up for. But like you said, small frame guy used exclusively out of the slot um, separates using his speed and suddenness out of breaks. Um, 
He does let the ball into his body. You know, what I see is a guy that's most effective when you get him the ball quickly. Uh, one of these guys, like, a, a, either he's just running up a seam and, and you toss to him or a quick slant, and, and you know, he, he's able to do that. Because if he's got bodies around him, if there's any sort of traffic or any sort of contested catch situation, he's just not going to win those. He's not tough enough. He's not physical enough. So he's, he's not going to be a red zone threat. He's not going to be like if, if, if you. So I'm not sure how he's going to score you a lot of points as a fantasy, as a, a fantasy asset. So if he's not scoring you points in the red zone, he's not going to make a ton of catches in my eyes. He's got to be making it on big plays, but he's not like a downfield type of guy, you know, which you, you would think out of a small guy, you know, out of a small, fast guy that he's a downfield guy, but he, he seems to operate best close to the line of scrimmage, get the ball in his hand quickly. Maybe that goes back to the fact that he's not a very refined route runner, so he can't get downfield and, and you know, string together a bunch of moves, uh, um, you know, to, to throw together a route uh, per se. So he's a, he's a guy that I'm not going to have a lot of shares of either. The more I dug into him, I like his athleticism, but I don't like his toughness. I don't like his ability to catch balls in traffic. And I don't like his overall big play, you know, ability, which which at that size I think you you have to have at the NFL. The 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 part I'm struggling with here is basically what we have here is we have uh, a very poor man's Marquise Brown, and I, I wasn't high on Marquise Brown for fantasy purposes, and he was a first round pick with better hands. Uh, so a guy that's going to be a second round pick, third round pick in the NFL with worse hands, I'm 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 just not very interested overall. Uh, I gave him a, a 69.28, so he came in as my 15th ranked wide receiver. Uh, and really, uh, too high. What's that? Too high is too that high. It's still still too high. Um, you know he's fast, he's quick, he has good burst, um, but you know it's it's not track. Uh, there's, there's other components that, that are needed to end up being a successful receiver. Um, you know, there's, there's upside in the right situation. Uh, but, but even that, you know, often with the, uh, Marquise Browns, the Deshaun Jacksons, the, you know, guys in that lane, it's, it's very boomer bust and it's really hard to trust. Uh, and, and Will Fuller, John Ross, exactly. And that's if everything pans out, which I'm not sure that it will. And I think those those two guys that you just said, John Ross and Will Fuller, are just more talented than him as well. So right. way more talented, right. way more talented. Right. And those and th- those are those are that's what people would want KJ Hamler to be. And honestly, do you really want Will Fuller and John Ross on your dynasty team right now? No, I don't like, want I don't want either one of those guys. And, I, and and I think they're better than him. So no way. Exactly. I, so I've been trying. KJ to sell, Hamler's the kind of guy that's. Gonna, sorry, I was saying I, I I was trying to sell Will Fuller for a, a second in my league and I couldn't get anyone to buy it. Even offered like two twelve. I still couldn't get anyone to buy it. It was an orphan I took over and I'm like, please someone just take Will Fuller. KJ Hamler is the kind of guy that's gonna be that the guy who does not listen to the Dynasty Nerds podcast or any other podcast probably for the most part and looks at the NFL draft and that's that's what makes his board up. And he's gonna take KJ Hamler in the middle or the high part of the second round of your draft. And all that's gonna do is push more talent to you. Don't draft him. He's not. He's going to help an NFL team than more than he'll ever help your dynasty team. Maybe he'll have a game here and there. We have some big yards because he does have that big catch and a big play. He'll be a roller coaster that's not fun because it's mostly hanging low on the tracks. 
KJ Hamler is a hard pass for me in my dynasty rookie draft. Let's move on to another guy who's a little bit more intriguing. That's Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State. Completely different frame set than KJ Hamler. Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State is six foot four, two hundred and ten pounds, ran a four six one forty with a seven point oh one three cone, which is pretty nice for a guy of his stature. Eighty six receptions, one thousand one hundred and seventy one yards, and thirteen touchdowns. I like I just mentioned his size. Isaiah Hodgins has great size, and he is terrific at catching the football in all aspects. This guy has some of the best hands in this class. I mean, when I watched his tape, I didn't see him drop a single thing. The one I did see um, that I thought he could have brought down was a deep contested pass, uh, contested pass versus Hawaii, but that was about it. Uh, he scored the best drop rate in this class at just 1.1%. And his contested catches, amazing. High point in the body control, great. Tracking the ball, good. Smooth runner. Now, Isaiah Hodgins, even that size, is he's not quick off the line. And for being that big, he can be pressed on the line as well. Needs to be a little bit more physical, I think, uh, learn how to use his hands to get off that line. And I think he's big enough where hopefully he can learn some of those minute traits of being a wide receiver and a route runner. Also, he's not really much of run after the catch producer. I think he's a solid prospect with like wide receiver three to low end two ceiling, but most like that wide receiver three kind of guy, um, possession receiver does a lot of things well for, for, for his size. Don't see him as a high end prospect, but definitely a guy I wouldn't mind nabbing a couple of shares in that he could surprise me. Uh, Garrett, what do you think of Isaiah Hodgins? Yeah, you, uh, you hit the, you hit the high points for sure. Um, if it was, if we were just playing like stand there and catch the ball, like he would be the best prospect in the class. Um, you know, that that's what he does. Like find a spot uh, and 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 be able to go up and get the ball. Uh, he he can do that all day long. One of the best catch radiuses uh, in the class. But I but I'm genuinely concerned that he is just not a good enough athlete um, to be able mm-hmm. to win at the next level. Um, you know, all of his speed, quickness, yards after the catch are all below average. Um, you know, he's. He's he's a he's a decent route runner, but he's nothing like spectacular um, there. So he he's not going to create tons of separation just with his route running alone, unless he unless he develops there. And he's just not strong. I think if he was at least physical, then you know all of the contested catch stuff would make it a little bit more worth it. Um, I have him as a sixty-seven point four eight. Uh, so I literally have Visca, Hamler, and Hodgins all three right next to each other. Um, and the problem is I just don't know that there's much of a ceiling for Isaiah Hodgins. I, I could see a, a safer floor than those guys where, yeah, he could come in and be an NFL team's third wide receiver and just be really, really solid at doing that. But when you're looking for fantasy production, unless you're playing in you know 14 team, 16 team league, I just don't know that he would ever have a real shot at cracking your starting lineup. Matt? And, and, you know, I, I'm going to echo a lot of the same points. I don't think he's physical enough, you know, to, for, for a six foot four, 210 pound wide receiver. He plays 
the position much more like a 200 pound guy that's you know five foot ten and and in in more than one respect you know it the 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 fact that he's not as physical but also i think in some of his movement skills for a guy that 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 is that big he plays like a like a smaller db like a smaller wide receiver i think he's he's pretty fluid uh, of an athlete for for that big of a wide receiver so there are pluses and minuses of that but I, I, it's somewhat, I know what you mean because like he he could be pressed on the line, right. you know? and Like it, it is very. It's, it's he's not very, physical there at all, which is weird because when he goes up to get the ball, he's coming down with the football. But it's very everything difficult. before that, the beginning, actually. I mean, you only have three, four seconds to make a play. That's where it all starts to like the beginning is where it starts to hurt him. So like my absolute highest upside type of pro- projection for him would be like a. A Tyrell Gazelle Williams, you know what I mean, and that and yeah. he had to come from you know being a late round or, or undrafted, I can't remember type of guy, and kind of work his way up to like a, a wide receiver two on a team, and I, I think that's absolutely his his highest ceiling um, is being a number two option, in a, in a wide receiving core, probably like a number really a, truly a number three option in an offense, you know what I mean? So yeah, and he's somebody. He's somebody you draft on your team, like maybe in the third round. And like you said, Matt, you become a wide receiver three. But then when that number one go gets hurt, he's the number two. And he's kind of like that Tyrell Williams where like, remember the year where both receivers got hurt and Tyrell Williams had like a thousand yards receiving right. just because he was the number one guy being force fed targets. Because if you feed Isaiah Hodgins targets, he's going to catch the football. But how many targets is he going to be force fed the NFL? That's the question. That is the question. And I'm, I'm not sure that you're going to like the answer. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, okay. the tricky part for me is too, once I get to the third round, you know, I was talking earlier about, you know, if it's a top 18 pick, I, I want it to be fairly safe. I want to make sure it hits. I'm very opposite. When I get to the third round on, I'm looking at what's the ceiling. Like what could, what could this player develop into? And I, I that's why I just don't think I'll own a lot. Like, I, you know, I just don't know that there's enough there to get me excited of what the ceiling could be for this player. And I'm with you there. I, I think the third round's way too early for a guy like Isaiah Hodgins. I think if he was sitting there in the fifth round, I would start considering him. And if he was there in the sixth round, I'd, I'd swoop him up in a second. Yeah, I, I think I think it's more the fourth round kind of guy because for me, I've said this a hundred times, third round where is where I'm eating up all the tight ends. Sure. Like if I'm in the third round of this draft, unless there's like a certain receiver there, I'm taking tight ends because that's where the value will be. But I think Isaiah Hodgins fits right into that high-end fourth, middle of the fourth round pick of your rookie draft where that's the value. That's where it lies because you can roster minor taxi squad for a couple years, and he does have some upside of a flex play or that wide receiver three in the right moments with the ability if he can get a little bit more dog in his game and get coached up where he could possibly be a wide receiver two on him. I think I'm a little bit higher than you two guys are on him um, because of his hands and his ability to go up and get the football. I like to see him get coached up a little bit more. Uh, So I want to see where he lands. So landing spot's huge. But I I, I think I agree with you in aspect of not really the third round, I suppose, but right there at the top end of the fourth round. Sure. I'm okay with it. Sure, I'm fine. I'm fine with the fourth round. Let's move our – Let's move on to our last prospect of the show. We're going to talk about Gabriel Davis out of UCF, six foot two, two hundred sixteen pounds, ran a four five four forty, seven point zero eight three cone, had seventy two receptions for one thousand two hundred forty one yards and twelve touchdowns. This is a guy who has again has you, you'll see a lot of this. Here's a lot: 
Good size. Good production on the outside. Tracks the ball well. Um, high points the ball well. Good burst with a solid double move. But he didn't do really a lot after the catch. His routes seem really limited. Uh, and he runs for what he runs there at UCF. I mean, just limited route tree. Um, really tight into his breaks. Doesn't really get much after the catch. Mostly to me, seemed like a go receiver. This is a guy to me who's a project at best. Needs lots of time to develop to be a contributor. I have him at the back end of my draft altogether, even if it's somebody I would get a share of. Didn't really come overly impressed with him. Nothing I really loved about his game at all. I know he produced at UCF, but when you're like watching him play, it didn't really look like to me like a high end or middle of the road NFL receiver. Matt, what do you think of Gabriel Davis out of UCF? Um, I literally, you know, I, I wrote another big bodied wide receiver. <laughs> so he has pretty, he has pretty good long speed and, and tracks the ball. Okay. Um, doesn't have elite physical traits beyond that. I think he's probably good enough to play at the next level. I, I wrote down that. I think he's probably gonna have to work his way up from like a wide receiver four on a team. So he's going to be uh, yeah. one of these guys. That's like a, a late round pick. And, you know, he could eventually, with his tools, if he honed them and, like, high-end type of thing, I think he could be a wide receiver three on a team, maybe a wide receiver two at best. But, I mean, that's Ooh. that's his upside, I think, in my eyes. So I'm not going to have very many, very many Gabriel Davis shares unless it – Unless I'm getting desperate there at the end uh, of, of a draft for just to get you a wide receiver. You just need a name that you know. Like, oh, yeah, I know that name. Exactly. <laughs> so that'll be Garrett, what do you think of Gabriel Davis I, out of UCI? I hope we disagree more next episode because I'm tired of agreeing with you guys. But, um, yeah, he's he's a name uh, that, that got a little bit of hype as like, oh, here's another one of those sleeper candidates. And you turn on the tape and, uh, you know, I kind of talked about this more often with the running backs, but I just don't know how he's going to win. Um, there, there's not a there's not a dominant skill in his game, whereas at least, you know, with Isaiah Hodgins, even though I wasn't high on him, you know, he is really, really good at the catch point, contested catch, catch radius, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, there's really, like, he's good there, but, like, not special. Uh, he's not that great of an athlete. I, I, I'm probably not going to touch him anywhere. I agree. Well, that wraps up our first episode, part one of our 2020 rookie wide receiver class. We're doing seven guys a show. So all these shows are going to go a little bit longer because the NFL draft is right around the corner. So probably more that we have to talk about after the NFL draft too, when we do our overall ranking show, uh, if you want, if you're a nerd member, stay tuned for our next show. Uh, we'll be breaking down Jerry Judy of Alabama. Justin Jefferson of LSU, Michael Pittman Jr. of USC, Chase Claypool of Notre Dame, Devin Duvernay of Texas, and Aaron Fuller of Washington to go along and wrap that up with Desmond Patman uh, from Washington State, another big body receiver. Those are for the Nerd Herd members. Uh, if you're not a Nerd Herd member, we'll be back next week breaking down some more wide receivers. But make sure you join the Nerd Herd to make sure you can hear about these other receivers because these are some really good ones we're going to be talking about here in the next show. And to catch all our exclusive content, including our rookie rankings and our Dynasty film room, because when the 2020 class is over, you're going to be able to watch 2021 film. What else are we going to do under quarantine? Am I right? Uh, you're absolutely so that's it. right. In the meantime... If you want to follow, hit us up on Twitter and talk Dynasty. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Dynasty Rich. I'm at Dynasty Matt. I'm at Dynasty Price.
Make sure you check out uh, the DynastyNerds.com every single day for all the great articles we got on there. Make sure you check out the Dynasty Nerds YouTube channel and subscribe. Tonight, this Wednesday, or if you listen on a different day, Matt Waldman will be on the show with Jared Wackerly, Nick Whalen, and Garrett Price himself breaking down film of a couple prospects and talking about some of these running backs. Matt Waldman is great at breaking down film, so make sure you check out the YouTube channel to see that and all the great things we have coming to the YouTube channel, which is a lot of good things. And now we got a rookie mock draft coming on here. Uh, as soon as within the next seven days, we'll have it up there. And then we'll do a post combine YouTube rookie mock draft as well. So check that out and subscribe. That's it, guys. We'll be back next week. Hope everybody's staying safe, staying socially distanced. And we'll be back soon. Adios.